Hello, everyone. This is Greg, your host of Goddamn GameCube, and this is season four. Follow Goddamn GameCube on social for updates on the show and subscribe to us on YouTube for bonus video content. Thank you and enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Goddamn GameCube. Greg and Riley are your hosts today, and we are talking about Dead Space. Um, this game fucking rules, and I'm so excited that we're going to be breaking down this franchise. So, Riley, let's not waste any time. Let's get right after it. Go ahead. Let's dig in here. All right, so Dead Space. We're going to be talking about all three games, mostly the first one. Um, a survival horror series created by Glenn Schofield and Michael Condry. Um, I've watched a good deal of interviews uh, with this guy, Glenn. He seems like a very interesting guy. Uh, began as an illustrator and became an art director on some early Game Boy games. Um, I believe uh, the Barbie game was his first uh, his first job. He's come a long he, way. He said uh, he said I learned everything there was to learn about Barbie, and I and we knocked it out of the park. <laughs> and, and I just you know I, even if if uh, Barbie was not his uh, his his topic of interest, apparently he killed it. And I like that about a guy where you you, you just you you do the best you uh, you can with what you got. Mm-hmm. Um, so this game, uh, Dead Space, uh, was developed by EA Redwood Shores which became Visceral Games, uh, published and owned by EA. Uh, The basic premise here, in the future, uh, humanity believes its resource crises are solved after digging up an inscrutable alien artifact that appears to produce limitless energy. Big no-no, you never trust that shit. Nope, bad. Uh, In reality, this artifact called the Marker uh, induces paranoia, hallucinations, and devotion in its nearby observers and causes the dead to reanimate into gruesome creatures called necromorphs. So we are going to get into the first game. Uh, Very, very uh, popular, very well-received um, did you play this when it came out? Yep. I, this was a day one purchase for me wow. back in high school. Um, I All I remember about wanting to play this was it looks like Resident Evil 4 in space, so I'm all in. That was, I believe, the, the plan. They were yep. very inspired by Resident Evil 4. Um, pitched it as kind of Resident Evil 4 in space. Um, I played it a couple years later, but I did see my friend play it at his house. And for me, I think it was just like there were so many games coming out back then that I just missed it. But I'm so glad I went back and followed up with it. Well, I consider this to be one of those like golden era Xbox 360 games. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, like it was on everything. But when you think back to like 06 to 2010, that was I spent so much time in high school playing Xbox games. And this was one of them. Yeah. This is actually one of the few games I 100 percented, like did it on every difficulty. I was very into this game. Nice. So this uh, you it follows uh, engineer Isaac Clark as he boards and explores uh, the USG Ishimura, which is a planet cracker mining ship that was conducting an illegal operation on Aegis 7, a planet uh, kind of in the far reaches of space. Isaac is looking for his girlfriend, Nicole Brennan, who is serving as the Ishimura's chief medical officer, and she periodically contacts you through the course of the game. So, um, uh, Greg, I want to ask you how you feel about this uh, opening premise and this universe in general. Do you find it? What do you find compelling about it? Okay, so I think the um, 
in in terms of, I think the opening is very effective, but it also kind of depends what kind, what background you have too. Sure. Because if we're talking when this thing came out, two thousand nine or so. Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. So in two thousand eight, I knew nothing about the Alien franchise. Like I didn't know anything about space horror. I sure. wasn't familiar with the thing or you know anything like that back then. Mm-hmm. So for me, this game was very fresh as high school Greg. Yeah. Also, I mean, shit pops off within 10 minutes. Right. So I mean, they really, I, I think the we'll talk about this, the big part about this game is how gruesome it is and how, um, what's the word for this? Um, how everything in the game is diegetic and that's what jumped out to me about the setting. It is a sci-fi game, yep. but you are, you're in it and immersed in it. There are no like cut scenes and things like that. Right, exactly, yeah. I feel the same way. Um, in terms of uh, sort of the structure, you mentioned it kind of pops off in 10 minutes. They were talking about how um, like a horror movie, like the ones you mentioned, they're over in 90 minutes, two hours, mm-hmm. whereas a game, it's less clear and you are the one who has to make progress to finish it. Like, you know, horror movie, you can just like close your eyes, shut your ears and it's and it's over. Yep. But with a game, you got you to gotta get through it. Yep. Um, so this game near, uh, received near universal acclaim for its atmosphere. Um, I felt that consistent tension was held the entire time throughout the uh, Ishimura's uh, very claustrophobic and uh, dimly lit environments. Um, in their words, also, it's like comedy. You can't keep reusing gags. It only really works well the one time, and you got to keep changing it up. Yeah. And I thought they did that very well. Like what, what I read about this was they, throughout development, they were thinning out and cutting jump scares. That's, yep. it, what's so funny is like this game to me is one of the ultimate jump scare games because of just how intense and like the in, I'm scared and like on the edge of my seat the entire time. Yes, for sure. And it kind of serves as a funny little little uh, contrast with what we were talking about with uh, Resident Evil 8, how they were like, we want to smooth that out over time. Make it more I, consistent I, we're experience. talking about two different eras of games, man. Well, yeah, <laughs> yes, of course. But I mean, I think in terms of making something that is consistently scary over the course of a you know eight ten hour experience this is this is a uh, definitely yeah. sort of a pioneer in that respect mm-hmm. um, as they say uh, we wanted to give you some moments of relief but not too many so oh this cool. game is all I do I feel like my my ass is like glued to the seat almost the entire time yeah you game, definitely right? want to be playing it at night with the lights off and just kind of like Ugh. I mean like there are not very many moments of levity if any at all. Right. Yeah, not really. So similar, I mean, you were talking the era. Um, the score by Jason Graves uh, was intended to evoke the uh, aleatoric style where mistakes are okay, kind of similar to the Bioshock yep, yep. Uh, design we talked about, uh, inspired by the Shining score and uh, modern experimental orchestra music. Um, and it was, believe it or not, recorded at Skywalker Sound, which is uh, George Lucas's uh, little ranch there. Wow. So pretty, pretty profesh. Okay. Um, so moving on, uh, very solid voice acting across the board, I would say, um, but very notable that Isaac is a silent protagonist in this one, um, for the most part. Yeah. What I find, do we know, are the, I'm trying to think, do I know any horror games where the, where the protagonist doesn't say anything? Well, not, not so much horror, but they were inspired by Gordon Freeman sure. from Half-Life and they mentioned yeah. that. They struggled with this because it's like, so if he isn't saying anything, does it feel like he has enough agency? Or is he just taking orders from the other characters? Right, 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 right. I mean, what I find fascinating about this, and I'm sure we'll dig in, like, he he is a silent protagonist, but the grunts and screams from him are amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, But they do a really good job of, like, 
what's what I the reason why I brought up I do I know any silent protagonist horror games because in every other horror game I'm thinking of the character is in some situation they have relationships with characters and I'm trying to think of 3D action games in recent memory where you don't say anything that I not there aren't very many no I mean maybe uh, I think. Uh What's his name? Ethan would have benefited from being a silent <laughs> protagonist, <laughs> yeah. but uh, who knows? Um, so yeah, uh, many uh, Bioshock esque audio logs are found over the course of the game as well mm-hmm. that explain pretty much every detail of what happened prior to your arrival. Uh, the sound design, as you mentioned, it was a team led by Don Vecca. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Is the most uh, memorable aspect for me. Um, the team watched their favorite horror movies and tried to replicate the sound philosophy as closely as they could. Um, they're talking about how uh, horror movies, like if you mute them, they're not as scary. Yeah, and it's of like, course. and it's they felt that closing your eyes and listening to the sounds is scarier than watching a horror movie on mute. So the, the sound was very much an important aspect. Also, I think, and um, before you continue, I think the sound design of this game is one of the most like understated and like under. I, I I hate using the word underrated, but I think it is in this game in particular. I, I don't know if it got much. I don't know much acclaim at all for sound design. It really should. I think it definitely should. I was gonna go through some of my favorite yeah, do it. Uh, things. The um, the setting in particular, Ishimura, is where you spend most of the game, and you hear a lot of this horrible like grinding machinery and stuff as it's you know because it's kind of a a derelict and it's falling apart as you explore it and there's this incredible they they uh talk about this room where they used like the uh, bart the san francisco uh transit system yeah like they record the train because it's like very screechy and they just have it in the background very scary um the monster noises are terrifying yes um because it's 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 one of those things where they have like a little bit of like um animal noises and human noises kind of mixed in together there's a lot of yelling in this yeah (laughs) um meant not only to induce fear but also give you some non-visual cues when enemies are attacking or about to attack yep um i liked also the near total sound dropout during the zero g sequences yes and everything is muted and you kind of feel suffocated and vacuumed when you're doing it yeah it's a it's like a different kind of scary yep um, and of course, as we mentioned, uh, Isaac's uh, shouting and stomping. And I like uh, how it sounds when it's kind of filtered through the rigs uh, voice box. You know, yeah. it's, it's very a little little sci-fi punch there. I mean, it's like it's a. I remember like just recalling one of my favorite things to do in Dead Space was just to hit an enemy with my fist or stomp on them just to hear him just like gutterly. <gasps> just, he's, I don't know who this voice actor was, but his performance was unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's very, um, very profoundly good. Um, the, in terms of Isaac himself, I thought it was notable that you, so you see his face at the end, but you mm-hmm. can also see it in the beginning. It's one of the first things I did. Um, cause you can spin the camera around when you're on the ship with the other yep, people yep, yep. and I'm like, Oh, okay. That's what he looks like. Yeah. It was, it was kind of interesting. Um, but it only, it's only, it doesn't prompt you to do it. It's mm-hmm. just like, if you have the, the imagination to do it, um, Isaac, uh, very notably can get completely dismembered in multiple ways. It is very, uh, visceral if you, if pardon <laughs> the pun here, yep. um, yeah, I think the, uh, rig itself is iconic at this point. Uh, you know, I love that um, kind of bronze armor with the uh, teal uh, highlights yep. everywhere. I haven't seen anyone that uses that kind of color palette. 
Um, and as you mentioned, a pause-free diegetic uh, UI that keeps you in the moment and kind of keeps you in the tense atmosphere without going into a pause menu. And I, I think that's one of the first things when we have to go back to what, 08, 09. Yeah. Um, I remember that was that that part of the presentation was incredibly impactful to me back then. Right. I don't think I had ever seen that at that point in my gaming, I guess my gaming history. Right. Where your life meter is displayed on your back. On your spine, yeah. On your spine, and your inventory is a hologram that displays, and you cannot pause the game. Right. And I, the way that the word is diegetic, what that means is all of these things are happening in universe. Right. And it's just an unbelievably good idea in a horror game to not have a HUD. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's such a good idea. Yeah. Like, you know, it's de-gamifying it a little bit. Yeah. Like, if you go back to the original Resident Evils, there's no ammo ammo counter on the screen. Your health is not on the screen. You have to find some way to look at it. Yeah. And this game almost puts those together by having your health status be in universe because it's displayed on your back. And so also your ammo is projected from the guns. It's a hologram on the gun. Yes. And, um, um, your uh, air and energy readouts are like on your shoulder. So it's, it's awesome. All... The presentation in this game, do you think it's one of the best presentations we've talked about on the show? Oh, for sure. It's got to be one of them. And it's, yeah, I mean, watching um, this guy Glenn talk about it, it's like, this is what happens when you give a shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's like, it's. I think that is, is is the crux of this whole thing is that he really cared. And can you, can you believe this was an EA game? Right? I can't. No, I can't either. <laughs> so um, in, in talking about uh, its peers and um, other games that didn't do it as well, I wanted to ask you, what do you think uh, other games, particularly horror games, but I guess games in general can uh, learn from their approach? Sure. Um, I th- I, I'm a very big proponent of taking HUD off the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether it's portrayed on your... Uh, like. Isaac Clark, all of the information is on his back on your character. Yeah. In in Resident Evil, you have to go to the pause screen to look at the EKG. Yeah. That sort of thing. What I really, I, I just, I don't know what it is. I, I think the word you use is degamify. Yeah. Or like, I, I don't want to be. I, we, we must have talked about this perhaps in the first season where I don't want to be reminded that I'm playing a video game, especially in a horror game. Right. I don't want to know. Well, I was thinking about how I was watching you play a game, which we will talk about in another episode last night, and I was taken out of it because you were kind of in a... Um, tense or emotional moment and like a little like challenge thing appeared like for it like an achievement or something in the corner or like a a internal game math thing and I'm like you know it's it's like I get why it's there but I wish it wasn't you know that kind yeah, of thing yeah 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 100% so, so I feel now I believe you could correct me. I believe the navigation system in Dead Space is you have to click a button and Isaac will display a light on the ground. Yes. I think. They did a cute little video where they had it in their offices where yeah. they had the little line on the floor. So like it, what they even did that well where like there's no compass on the screen. There's no like quest and objective markers on the screen. Yeah. If you want to set down a little light to help you to guide you, he has to do it. Right. Exactly. Please. Thank you. More of that. So let's do that. Yep. Um, in terms of uh, moment to moment here, uh, we're going to get into uh, strategic dismemberment, which I feel uh, sets it apart from other uh, third person shooters. Uh, we got it. We got a little punchy before we hit record here. We started talking about the necromorphs, how you can cut them up, and then we're going to grill them up and make some necro burgers. <laughs> it's the Fourth of July. It's when the Fourth we of July. This, so we're going to make some necro burgers and some morph dogs. And uh, <laughs> I mean, they should have done that in universe, but 
um, is very unique where these enemies are dead. So, you know, unlike normal zombies, like the headshot's not going to work on them. You have to literally like tear them apart. And what's amazing, I think, about this game was they structured the weapons to reflect that. Yes. Right? Where um, So you have the plasma cutter, which is the, the main kind of weapon in this yep. series where you can uh, change its axis yep. to so shoot can, like horizontal or vertical. You can shoot. And, and it's essentially what I love about the weapons in this game, too. They are all engineering based. Like Isaac Clark is not a soldier. He's actually right. an engineer. So, you know, the plasma cutter is like used to cut metal, but you're shooting it to cut up monsters. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that stuff is um, is, is there. I was going to go through uh, yeah. the ones they have there so um the ripper is another one where you shoot like the razor blades yeah, yeah it's just this buzz saw that comes out right yeah it's, it's like, so oh cool um you know your t- typical uh flamethrower uh the contact beam it's all like engineering kind of yeah. adjacent stuff i think the pulse rifle is like the only one that was like it's an the only, actual like, weapon it's the only like gun gun in the game yes and if you don't mind i have one anecdote about dead space it has to do with the pulse rifle oh sure i just i it's it's hard for me to sort of like get everyone into my brain space when I'm playing a horror game. Yeah. But I'm so locked in. And I remember I was just in this one hallway and I had the uh, the pulse rifle out. And then, you know, Necromorph just comes out of a grate. And I just remember just like screaming in my basement like, ah, and, and I'm just unloading the pulse rifle. Yeah. And I'm like, I, when a game actually gets me yelling and screaming and yelling at the screen, I'm like, this game, this you're, game rocks. You're engaged. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, so I, uh, wanted to also mention one of my other favorites was the line gun, which is like the mine kind of thing. And that's also another, like it's used for mining, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's pretty cool. Um, I did, however, I only, I think in dead space one, I only, um, uh, upgraded the plasma cutter in the other games. I messed around with the other weapons, but the, the plasma cutter is so like, uh, useful in so many different yeah. situations. So you can upgrade uh, your weapons and the rig through uh, these things you find called nodes. Mm-hmm. And you can also use those to open up some caches that you find along the way. So there's a little bit of decision making. So like cool upgrade system in this game, right? Where you have these like pseudo rare tokens you can either upgrade your armor with or should you risk it and open a door with them. Right. Pretty cool. I think in my first run I did plasma cutter and assault rifle only. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, mo- I I think I did the rig and the plasma cutter for the yep. most part. Um, Isaac also has a kinesis module, uh, which is a, uh, you know, you can move he- heavy objects around, which is also used in universe as an engineering thing where they're moving around heavy machinery and, um, you know, supplies and whatnot, uh, as well as the stasis module, which can temporarily slow time. And and that is in, used to... Um, work on parts of the ship where they need to slow down, you know, fast moving yeah. stuff. The last thing about the rig that I love is when you upgrade your armor, your armor, your your defense of your rig, your armor actually looks different. Yes. Like over it, actually, the game. it actually puts more metal on your chest and back. Yeah. I'm like this game rules. More more awesome. games should do that. It's awesome. Like I love when like I'm given a a mathematical bonus. It's then reflected on what it looks like. Right. It's awesome. Yeah, totally. Um so, uh, in addition to that, so I wanted to, to just clarify that those, um, 
the kinesis and the stasis are also used so they're used in combat and they're also used in puzzles yeah so it's like it's very versatile you know you're not kind of i feel like in some games we discussed there's some sort of prehensile features which aren't used utilized as much as they could be yeah yeah and i think everything in this game really fits together really well and this game doesn't give you it doesn't overwhelm you with mechanics no. you know what i mean like there's kinesis there's stasis you have your weapons and you're chopping people up yeah that's about it um, so, uh, and uh, one other thing is when you, I mentioned the zero G sections, um, you can sort of jump to any surface, um, and you have, uh, your, your refillable like air meter that you have to keep an eye on. You can kind of little, little, uh, stocks here and there to, mm -hmm. to fill up. But I like that. I hadn't seen that in any game where you're jumping from one surface to another, like right. in a, you know, that kind of way. Um, <laughs> So here is a, here's an interesting prompt. Um, what were the scariest enemies or moments for you? Oh, my God. Um, okay. I think, oh, it's got to be when you get locked in a quarantine room, right? And you have to wait it out. Yeah. You remember, there were, I think, two or three moments like that? Yeah. Um, those are unbelievable. I mean, the, the oh, my God. There's, um, there's also that enemy that creates other enemies and they can do it to you. If you, did you ever experience that? If you get a game over with a certain enemy, you become a necromorph. Oh, really? Wow. Eek. I mean, yeah, it makes sense because sometimes you get chopped up into little pieces. But I mean, there's, I think, a couple different death animations. Yeah. Well, if you're talking like scariest, it's got to be your first quarantine zone where all these enemies are just coming out of grates. You hear them in the ceiling and oh yeah. my God. And that's a very like aliens kind of inspired yeah. thing. Um, but so yeah, the slashers are kind of like the main uh, necromorph enemy. There's also the lurkers, which are the babies. Yeah, and they're like, I was like, I've never seen that before. Like a demon, like baby zombie that's yep. like crawling along and. And there are some necromorphs where um, they punish you for hitting them in the chest because babies come out of them. Right. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, the infectors, which are like the bats. Yep. Yep. Those are scary. Um, the leapers are kind of like the scorpion ones. Mm -hmm. Um. The guardians, which are the wall guys, you remember those? Yeah, they're very kind of disturbing looking. They're just like people growing out of the wall. They yep. like they send uh, little ones after you, and um, the twitchers, which are the stasis ones, like they're kind of like um, they they have stasis modules themselves. Yes, pretty cool looking, and um, and a lot of fun to fight. So they keep you on your toes. Do you think there was enough enemy variety, or do you think it kind of ran its course? I, I think in this game, I think it was for, just enough, right? It, it kept me going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to mention, um, I I mix it up. I thought it was in one of the other games. It's in this game, the regenerating one that you have to yes. like freeze. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Keep cutting apart. That was a great, that was a very tense encounter. Really cool boss battle there too. Yeah. So um, I'm going to get into the story and characters here. Uh, the ship you arrive on, uh, the Kellyan, is badly damaged and before long destroyed, um, and the Necromorphs massacre most of your crew. So it is mainly you, uh, Isaac. The only other survivors are Kendra Daniels, who is the computer specialist, and Zach Hammond, who is the chief security officer, who you stay in contact with throughout the story. It's a pretty you know standard like horror uh, yeah, setup. Yeah, sparse crew. Right. Um, Isaac's girlfriend Nicole also provides support via sporadic messages and appearances, um, and you wind up learning more about most of the other characters through audio logs. Yep. So basically, what happened here is that the ship's captain. Um, Benjamin Matthias is the captain. He is a covert agent for what is called the Church of Unitology. And uh, he was leading an expedition to recover the marker, as I mentioned earlier. 
So unitology is sort of these people who have been, I guess, corrupted by the marker. It's kind of like the ring, I guess, in Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. and, and they are, you know, all kind of trying, they, they covet it and, you know, are trying to do its bidding, Yeah, I guess. Um, so the marker led the crew uh, to behave erratically. Uh, it caused uh, mass hysteria and paranoia. They all started killing each other. Uh, eventually gave into, you know, there's some, some characters committed suicide, etc. Um, there is only, uh, there's one of the surviving crew is Dr. Kine, interesting character, who um, convinces Isaac that the only way to stop the outbreak is to return the marker to the surface and lull the old one back to sleep. If you'll pardon my comparison, because <laughs> there's the the uh, hive mind is yes. on the is yeah. on the surface of the planet. They awoke it by cracking it and looking for you. You eventually find out that this planet was it, it was the uh, operation was illegal because it was it was declared off limits by the government. Yeah, and they for said, good reason for, because they were doing <laughs> experiments with it. Yeah, and they were you know so basically there was a little cover up story like yep. that they were you know. So this crew kind of stumbles into it. Um, some of the, the members were unitologists themselves, and of course led to disaster. Um, something I thought was kind of interesting was, um, what did you think of your, your two other characters that you were playing around with? Like, did you, so we're going to get into some trust issues here. What did you think of them? Well, I think it's hard because I think it's implied over the course of the game that you're being influenced by the marker, like right. both of the characters are. So I think their paranoia is coming from that. Yeah. Or I feel like, um, it's it's but it's not really told to you. You kind of have to figure that out. Yeah. So I think when I first played it, I didn't. I that didn't quite. Uh, I don't want to use the word land. I wasn't quite understanding that there's something else going on. Yeah. The the communication breakdown or you never. I believe you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe you ever interact physically with the two other characters in your crew. You're separated by glass or door the entire game. Is that right? I think you may be correct. Like after that opening. Yeah, I thing. don't think you ever interact with them. No. Um, so that's a good way of because you know you're you're always tempted to like like hit people like melee people or shoot yeah. people and see what they're gonna how they're gonna react. Mm -hmm. So it's a good way to like keep that out of your hands, I mm -hmm. guess. Um, so for me, um, I was maybe a little bit more. Uh, mistrustful of Hammond. Yeah. So I thought that was like a great misdirect because he winds up just like halfway through the game getting like eviscerated. Yep. It's <laughs> just yeah. by some monsters and cut him up. And it winds up um, this Dr. Kine character who um, tells you what's really going on essentially. He is murdered by Daniels, the girl. And I was like, that like, to me, like totally blindsided me. Yeah. I thought that was pretty successful. Kine, was he the guy who like gave up unitology? Was it that, was it him? Yeah. Or he came to his senses or something yeah, yeah, and yeah. was trying to help you. Yep. Um, and so basically she reveals herself to be a uh, government employee yep. who is tasked with recovering um, the marker on the surface. Oh boy. Which uh, it, it turns out to be the red marker. Yeah. So the red marker is just a copy of the original. And it was created by an experiment, like a mind control, maybe experiment by Earth. And I thought that was a really good twist where it's like you're kind of sequel baiting, but it makes perfect sense. Like right. how that, that, you know, you discover this immensely powerful object and it's, you know, it's, it's of course, it's just a copy. And right. I think that was sure. a pretty good twist. Um, the markers, as it turns out, they send out a signal 
that uh, reanimates dead tissue and transforms them into various forms of necromorphs. And it's um, you keep hearing that phrase "make us whole," and it's eventually it's basically sort of um, I guess like a, a good comparison would be like a Halo flood thing yeah. where they're trying to like merge all this dead and tissue. It, they do such a good job with like really with like visceral metaphors. Make us whole. You're chopping people apart the whole game. Yes. Yeah. yeah it it yeah. just feels gross. Something uh, you kind of you sparked my memory a little. You asked me what the scariest moment was. You know what it was for me. Do you remember the moment when you sort of in, you go into this room that's lit by candles? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And everybody has like their faces blindfolded and they all killed themselves. Yes. And I think Twinkle Twinkle Little Star is playing. Yep. I'm like, dude, holy fuck. This some, game- some effective imagery there. Oh, yeah. That's that. I think, good Lord. So effective uh, religious villainry, I think, in this. Yes, yes, for sure. I, I kept mixing them up with the Unitarians. Big apology <laughs> to the Unitarians there. <laughs> um, so, uh, you want to talk about the uh, the big twist to the end of the game, um, where uh, Daniels essentially reveals that Nicole committed suicide before you even got there. Yeah, and Isaac has been hallucinating her the whole time. Yeah, there's a little bit of a what's the word? What's the word for this? An unreliable narrator? Or yeah, because the marker is messing with your head. Yeah, so it's one of these where you you think you're hearing messages from Nicole, or you think you're listening to audio logs from her, or something like that is going. You're essentially a. a a subplot to this game is you're trying to find her. Yes. Well, she she is like appearing physically. Yes. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it is is I mean so it's not like the most original twist in the world, but it still worked well for I, me. I think the reason why it works it works well is you're given these hints that the um, the marker is messing with people's brains. Or it's messing with your perception of the world. Yes. Oh, of course, Nicole is dead. Yeah. Right? But but because Isaac doesn't talk, he never he's never like, oh, I'm you know I miss her. I can't wait to find her. He doesn't say anything. Of course. So it's almost like it's very in the back of your mind that that could be happening or not at all. They're they're not tipping their hand too much because he, it's almost genius that he doesn't say anything. Right. It works really well. Mm-hmm. Um. And that you want to talk about? Do you know that uh, Easter egg? Oh, pretty the, pretty brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I love this. So all the, this game is split up into chapters yeah and the first, the first letter of every chapter spells out nicole is dead pretty genius Ooh, huh like uh-oh <laughs> what do you think anyone like i mean i didn't figure it out before then but do you think anyone was like reading the chapters no is there's it no way like i think the only way to do that is if you saw them written out because right. you never you only see them one at a time got it you got to have that real, like, pattern-oriented, uh, senuous sacrifice brain looking for yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. that's kind of like, um, you haven't watched Breaking Bad, right? Uh, I, I've never seen the whole thing in its entirety. Yeah, there's a couple, there's one season where the episode titles uh, spell out, like, what's going to happen in the yeah. season finale. Mm-hmm. Pretty genius stuff. Um, so, yeah, you you essentially, uh, you I, I do like that because this game is pretty much entirely set on the Ishimura except for the last level. It's very contained. Very contained. And I do like it when you have one little bit at the end of a game that's set somewhere else just to give you some contrast. Sure. I mean, uh, a favorite game we have on the show is the remake of Resident Evil 1, right? Most yeah. of the game is in the house. Sure. Right? You, there's only tiny moments where you're not. This game is similar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say even uh, we talked about Vampire, how... The most yeah. of the game is in the city, and then you have a little uh, epilogue ending, in the, the, ending in the is country. Else. Yeah. yeah. So, um, what did you think of the ending overall? Okay, so I think um, so. 
it gets it, this game like no horror game lasts forever. Right. Like at some point it becomes an action game, and this game does that a little. I don't think it's egregious. Yeah. When you're essentially trying to bring the you're trying to essentially trying to bring the marker back and destroy the hive mind, right? Yeah. It's really yeah, yeah, yeah. When you have to kind of escort the marker on a cart and you're just kind of killing enemies, and the but the final boss, it's pretty epic. Yeah. But I mean. It's kind of one of these, okay, they're getting a little bit of their um, sort of their action movie out of the way, but it's very brief. Yeah, it, it didn't offend me. No, it didn't offend me. Do you know what I, I like about it? It's, I don't know if you ever do this. I feel like when I know I'm at the end of a horror game, I'm like, let's empty out the item box. Let's fucking go. Sure. Like, I'm ready to fucking unload. Right. I've been conservative the whole game. I always love that little moment where I'm like, this is it. It's, let's a, it's the time. Pump. Yeah. Yeah. And when it makes that clear, that's it. That's yeah, even better sure. for sure. Um, so the one part that I, I mean, I get why they did it, but I, I don't really like is the actual very ending. Um, because you have kind of, I thought it was an appropriate tender moment where you're, he is watching old videos of Nicole in the ship after he escapes. Um, and we should mention that the hive mind is, is crushed by a piece of the planet yep. uh, that they cracked previously. And, uh, Daniels is, is also crushed mm -hmm. by it. So yep. that's, it's a fitting ending, yep. but, uh, Isaac is by himself on the ship. He's watching some old videos of his girlfriend and there is like one last jump scare where she's like a ghost or whatever. And, and she jumps. jumps at him. And I was like, ah, well, I don't know. You you, I felt like my, my, my personal take was you could have had like a sincere ending and it's just kind of like a, a, a they kind of horror <laughs> sequel bait you a little, yeah, right? a little you know bit. what it is it's so tiny we're like it's okay i mean i i were you looking for like a sensitive like ending where holy shit he did it this guy's been put through hell well it kind of to kind me of like the jill a leaning the kind of resting her head on chris's shoulder in the helicopter well sort of it, it looked to me like it was so you you were hallucinating nicole the whole time and for me it it appeared as though in watching those old videos he was kind of putting it to bed like yeah. he was he was accepting um her death yeah and it was just kind of like so what's the purpose of that it's just like one last little i think what they're ah! trying to do is imply to you that his brain is still affected by the marker yeah i think yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what they were trying to do but i a, would have been okay with a him tiny watching little the videos and it ending yeah a tiny little uh disagreement on an otherwise sure. solid uh, experience so um getting into final thoughts with his first one here um i wanted to ask you a twofold question yeah so I initially, because there were so many uh, games coming out back then, it was just sort of lost for me for a couple of years that like, no, this game is actually incredibly good and worth playing. So I wanted to ask you, number one, what you think, besides what we've already talked about, what makes this a special experience, what makes it stand out, as well as uh, there is a remake on the horizon. Do you think it needs one? There's a remake on the event horizon? Yes. <laughs> so um, okay. So what stands out about the first one? We have to go back to that time. Yeah. And I think what stands out to me is if we go back to 08, what is the landmark action game of that time? It's still Resident Evil 4. Okay. It, that game is still the balls. You yeah. know what I mean? That is the best third-person over-the-shoulder game there is. And this company or this director went out of his way to say there are some flaws in Resident Evil 4. We're going to be able to move and shoot at the same time, but essentially almost make the same game. Well, that's what I liked about... Um, you know, he, he obviously has a ton of respect for the game. He talked a lot about the Silent Hills as well. Yeah. But he said that, um, 
he he acknowledged that he would like to move and shoot at the same time, and he also didn't like the melee in Resident Evil 4. Yeah, I think the coolest part about Dead Space, you know, you and I always complain that Resident Evil teeters too frequently into silly and stupid. Yes. Re- Dead Space is really fucking serious. Like the entire time. And here's the thing, Dead Space <laughs> is really fucking serious, and it's Resident Evil 4 mechanics. Yeah. It's sure, I think Dead Space is perhaps... Perhaps it's a little bit less iconic maybe than Resident Evil 4 because Resident Evil 4 is just inherently so quirky. Yeah. But what I love about Dead Space is uh, what they did not only to improve upon the Resident Evil 4 combat, how the entire, it's the entire uh, uh, presentation is diegetic. Yes. Which I've never seen, which is unbelievable. It's very rare. To answer your question about the remake, it's not necessary. Yeah. Um, This game was released, was released in full HD. It Mm -hmm. looks amazing. Um, I, I revisited it very recently. I thought it held up perfectly and, well. <laughs> and like, I feel like you're kind of encroaching on that era 0809 yeah. where you don't need to remake those. Yeah. Like, they're already awesome. Mm-hmm. I, am I going to play it? Yeah. Because, I mean, the game rules. Yeah. I, the thing, the reason why maybe I am not as pumped to play it is I, I 100%ed this game. I yeah. Played, I played it on impossible yeah. mode. Like, I've, I've done everything there is to do. Um, the only thing I heard about this remake is that. We're going to get into this shortly, but the other two games handle zero gravity differently where you can float around instead of jumping. So they're going to do that for this remake. I mean, I just think this remake might be EA trying to get into people's good graces again. I think that's it. And I think it is a um, an attempt to soft reboot the franchise. Sure. Um, I'm not familiar with the team is working on it. Um, I wish them the best. I feel like that will wind up as like a, a YouTube exclusive, maybe you and I yeah. are talking about or something. Did you want to do, uh, are we going to do grades or do you want to move on? Do you want to do grades at the end for all three? Um, why don't we, why don't we grade them one at a time? Okay, sure. Fresh. So you start. I think this game is in, it's gotta be an A or A minus, right? Mm-hmm. I, uh, would this game be an A? I think I'm going to go, it's probably A minus because there are some clunky puzzle solvy moments towards okay. the end that it, it doesn't really hold up like the beginning. It kind of detracts yeah. from the game. Yeah. Um, besides that, I mean, the game is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's quite perfect, especially when you, oh, sure, like the setting and the story is, I'm not going to call it derivative, but you know, right. there's not yeah, a ton yeah, yeah. going on here. It's fine. Yeah. I got to say A minus. I don't know about you. I'm, yeah, I'm giving it a nine. It's yeah, um, sure. nine out of 10. I think that, um, not to get too, too long winded here, but I think it is just it felt very kind of it was almost a titanfall thing or it was like almost swept under the rug like it enjoyed success at the time yeah but i feel like not as many people talk about it as you would uh, think or hope yeah i mean that almost makes me want to give it an a plus where i'm like i, I, I almost <laughs> want to give it a bonus because it's so much better than so many other things i played yeah it's and awesome. i mean for for us i mean for me personally a nine is very rare yeah, for me um, and A, I don't give them not out, nine so. and ten. It's it's like so. This game, I think, uh, the only thing that would have made it as a ten is if it was some kind of like like consciousness altering experience, you know, yeah, like something sure. that really like reinvents the wheel. So yeah. this is I, for a game that is that doesn't do that. That's like a, a very high mark for me. This is really it's some of the best you can get in terms of third person horror. Third, I mean horror in general games like this is you know they didn't they didn't fuck it you no, know what I mean no, like they, there's they so many moments in, in the games we talk about Silent Hill three all the Resident Evil nonsense yeah they don't in this game they don't fuck it up no they don't so I'm I'm giving it that let's move on to Dead Space two yeah let's Shall talk we? about two go ahead. So this game uh, uh, released in 2011 by the original team uh, three years after the original Dead Space. 
Um, it takes place on the Sprawl, which is a space station built into Saturn's moon Titan. Uh, after Dead Space 1, Isaac is left mentally disturbed and now has an imprint of the marker's designs in his mind, which I like that idea. I think that's why the ending of the first one is not wholesome. Uh, yeah, I know. I just, for my, because I, I, spoiler alert, I don't like these sequels as much as the first one. I don't, I'm glad we agree with this off the bat because I don't either. Yeah, so, so but I just want to clarify that I... I kind of wish it was more self-contained and then I could almost ignore these. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so um, long story short, so that guy, we talked about uh, Glenn Schofield, he, he departed, um, left in the hands of people who worked on, other people who worked on the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically you're, you're Isaac again. Uh, Earth's government is torturing him on this facility for information so they can replicate the marker again. Yeah. Um, so EA Redwood Shores, as I mentioned, was restructured into Visceral Games. And I thought uh, an interesting tidbit here was that production ran parallel to uh, our favorite God of War ripoff called Dante's Inferno. <laughs> <laughs> so they, I, didn't, I didn't know Visceral worked on that as no, well. No, I actually, I don't hate that game, actually. I don't hate it. I think it kind of loses steam over time. But it is it, I, it was interesting that they did it yeah, as well. Interesting. When EA used to make games, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so this one, uh, Isaac speaks in this one notably. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't dislike his voice acting. No, I think, I, I think it was one actually a pleasant surprise about this game is I'm, I liked him as a sound protagonist. I think it worked out just fine. Correct me if I'm wrong. He has like one line at the end of the first one. Uh oh, I don't know. I should probably know this. And I, I think it's so. the same guy who voices him in two and yeah. three. Okay. But I, I, he wasn't like offensively bland. No, you know what I, I mean? think it's just fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, <laughs> so I have some 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 downers here. I do too. Um, Go ahead. In terms of mechanics and features that were added, not many when it comes to innovation here. Um, stop me if you've heard this one before. The sequel was designed to be more action-oriented to appeal to a larger audience. So so are we talking about gameplay right off the bat here? Yeah, are we talking uh, Dead Space or Mass Effect here? What's going so on? So I've got, I have two qualms with this game gameplay-wise really right off the bat Let's here. Let's go. I so my, my friends really combat me about this opinion. I don't like Dead Space 2 very much. Like people might think I, I love this franchise. I really only love the first one. Mm-hmm. Here's the second one. Uh, it's a good game. Um, what bothers me, I don't know if you picked up on this when you played it. There are a lot of one hit death opportunities yes. in the game and it took me out of the game totally. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, there's another sliding sequence where I have to shoot. Oh, I die. Oh, there's a thing in the hallway that blows me up. Oh, that, that uh, bothers me. And it's kind of one of those things I talked about in Elden Ring, even where you yeah. get grabbed and you're, it's an instant kill. It's like, I don't want to look at a loading and, screen and here's the that problem. much. I kept trying to tell my friends this and they, it was just was not landing. Perhaps it will land with you. Right. And our audience. What bothered me about Dead Space 2 is if I'm playing a horror game, I really want, I'm playing really hard to get my character out of this situation. Yeah. And if I am just one hit killed over and over, I'm, I don't care anymore. Like, I just want to get through this. Like, I, I, I'm not, it, it I'm, turns I'm into a slog. Out. It turns into a slog. And I think a lot of emphasis was put on making weapons and attachments and customization more varied. Yeah. But I didn't need that. No, like I said, I I stuck with the plasma cutter in the first game. I think it was, you know, for the second one, you do have to iterate, like, or else it's just the rerun, you know? So I do appreciate that there are a couple of different, we're going to get into like a couple of the the additions. Um, But before we get too far, another stop me if you heard this one before, the sequel has a multiplayer mode that nobody played. (laughs) 
I don't. I forgot that. And it's like, why? So basically, it's essentially Left for Dead. Yeah. Where you have some survivors on one side, and the other ones play as the necromorphs. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, was that a good use of resources? Uh, probably. I mean, well, here's the thing, though. <laughs> I I do want this. This we'll we'll eventually do a uh, a video on like Greg's theory of the games that ruin games. Yeah. But keep in mind, like we're in the era. This is 2011. Yeah. Where Call of Duty has dominated the landscape. Of course. And every game now has multiplayer because of you know Call of Duty Four and all that success. Yeah. And I think Dead Space One just came out too soon after to be affected by that. Yeah, of course. But now that every game has to have multiplayer, this game does too. But I was so. yeah. So my main comparison there. Um, was we just talked about Bioshock 2, which yeah. also included that. That was 2009. Yep. And um, a year after this was Mass Effect 3, which also had multiplayer where this they didn't want We're getting to the bad era of games here. This is, dude, I'm telling you, this last decade was a rough one. I mean, especially um, looking from back like on 11 it, to 15, right? Yeah. It was rough. So um, before we get too far here, uh, I mentioned the floating around in zero G. I, I, I didn't um, dislike it. I didn't like it, you know, I kind of like them both in yeah. different ways, like the, the either the leaping or the floating. Mm -hmm. um, some of the new weapons, uh, <laughs> the only ones that I, I there's because there's a bunch, but the only ones that I distinctly remember and one that I wanted to talk about, the javelin gun is a, uh, it's a classic like spear oh, gun. Oh, that's the balls. You, I love that. You, you, can't, you yeah. can't beat that in any game where you can pin an enemy to the wall. I mean, it's yeah, awesome. sure. Um, I, I mean... That's the weapon that uh, I feel like I recall the most from Dead Space Two is just one hit pinning people to wall. It's awesome. and it, it fit, it's you know it's a it's a little weird in in Halo, which is not super violent. You have that big rifle that yeah. did it, but um, in this game where it is extremely gruesome, it yeah. feels very very appropriate. Um, the force gun, which is basically a shotgun, yeah, and I, I liked that inclusion in a um, kind of zombieish horror environment. Mm -hmm. Like that's a pretty good one. And they didn't have one in the first game, exactly. So. And um, lastly, but certainly not leastly, there is a secret weapon called the hand cannon, and it's just a foam finger, <laughs> and it's just like like instant kills. It's awesome. Um, so there's a ton of new enemies, but the only ones I really want to talk about are um, the two that frustrated me the most. Oh, I know what you're going to say. We probably agree. Go ahead. So number one is the pack, which is the children yeah. uh, that, that mob you. I'm going to get into a very unpleasant thing later about them. Yep. Um, and the stalker, which is the like velociraptor that yep. like headbutts you. You yep. were familiar with you this? Have, yeah. I remember I, this is where I think I distinctly remember saying, I don't think I like this game that much mm. is I think you're in a section where stalkers are surrounding they're, they're, you. Are sort, they're either coming at you from various walls and you have to stasis them. Yes. I'm like, this game just got kind of silly and like, I don't yeah. like it. Like, like, so I appreciate that it's a different, type of encounter that you can't just do the yeah. normal chop chop thing but it just that that was a situation where they can one shot kill you it's really annoying and there's a ton of them and, and I, just, I almost eh. like the last of us two did this a little bit better yeah where there is a stalker enemy it doesn't do anything different other than it's smarter than others where it's going to look around corners it's going to see where you are yeah that's scary to me where they're more knowledgeable i think that's that's maybe a underrated aspect of games in general is ai yeah it's like investing sure. in your ai because that's great and it's just what i remember about stalkers is like they come around the corner you have to stasis them it becomes tedious and annoying yeah i don't like it so, um, with that in mind, let's just uh, skim through the story here. Yeah, super quick. go ahead. Um, something I did like about the opening here is that you watch a person turn into a necromorph for the first yeah. time. Yeah. I mm -hmm. thought that was kind of, it was like a character that appears very briefly, helps you out, and he gets turned into one. Yeah. And I thought that was awesome. 
Um, ultimately, I feel like overall this is a sort of a stock plot that just kind of recycles and reconfigures elements of the first game. That's mm-hmm. why I didn't like it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's kind of the Ishimura, but it's bigger because it's a space station. Yeah. And not that it doesn't have, you know, kind of its own quirks and stuff, but I felt like it was just... It was like playing the hits, you know? Do you, but do you know what I think this game does better than other games I've played, this franchise? Yeah. The running sequences where you're, where you're defenseless? Yeah. Like, was I believe, you can correct me, was to the straitjacket sequence yes. in the beginning. I thought this was pretty effective. I like, do like that, yeah. I like it where you're like, clearly there's a bunch of chaos going on, I and I'm just I'm just running <laughs> through it. Get me the fuck out of there. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I, I, shouldn't, I should back up a little. I sh- I'm not going to tell our audience that I think this is a bad game. No, like I don't, definitely not. It's definitely a good game, but... I, I've had many of my friends tell me that two is better than one, and I definitely think they are not correct. Yeah, so I have a. Um, I don't want to disrespect this game too much. I know there's a lot of, of fans or some people, some critics who even thought it was better. I have a friend who um, has a Dead Space two tattoo, oh. which is like, what's like that's that's some supreme uh, okay. enjoyment. Good for you. I personally don't like it as much as the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna get into a quick uh, a few story highlights yeah, sure. here. Um, very beginning of this game, you are uh, betrayed by the lady again. <laughs> I thought it was like I was like, wait, you're doing this again? You just did this, yep. like like it's in, like the first act of the game, yeah. And you kind of run through a series of, to me, unmemorable characters who like, oh, I gotta help you, and then they die, like yeah. very in, in quick succession. Mm-hmm. So I didn't love that about this, where it's you can't really develop any. You're kind of running through these. And that's that's kind of a horror formula in and of itself. I didn't really like it personally. Um, some character growth here, where you um, become attached to the character El- uh, Ellie. Speaking speaking of Last of Us, um, <laughs> there, uh, she is a government employee. Um, again. Who again? <laughs> yeah. But you know that's that's growth where he, right. he's learning to trust and mm-hmm. you know get over this you know hangups and um, he winds up sending her away on a shuttle so she doesn't meet Nicole's fate. Sure. So that's some some a little growth for for Isaac here. Um, I wanted to to ask your feelings about the infamous uh, eyeball sequence. Oh, I was like, I, I I literally was scanning like in my brain. I was like, have we talked about that yet? Right. We haven't. I mean, this is awesome, right? Yes. I mean, I like this a lot. So this is a. It's kind of a puzzle, kind of a quick time event. Yes. Where you have to, uh, you essentially you have, have to, to ec- extract like the the image of the marker from your eye right yep. you essentially are trying to put a needle in your own eye yeah. as a quick time event oh and it's like it's very jittery and very shaky well yes yeah. yep. so basically it is like that i think there is a surgery machine that does this where it it puts it right in the center of your eye yeah and it somehow doesn't like permanently damage it i guess yep. it's very thin so that is what you're trying to do but i think the equipment is broken or you have to do it yourself so yes so. so you have to it's very near the end of the game and you have to do it and if you fuck it up it is one of the most violent things i've ever seen in a video game i can't I, it's one of those scenes where i'm a little surprised it got through ratings yeah, yeah I, where like you know if you screw it up you essentially just essentially obliterate your face and your eyes and it's a bunch of screaming. goes right in your brain and, and it's, it's like oh my god it's very violent yeah but it is. It, I, that's I iconic, call it a success. Right? That's got to be iconic to this franchise. Is it, that scene. It w- I mean, when it came out, when this game came out, I remember that gif going around everywhere. It was yeah. like horrifying. Um, but lastly, I just wanted to mention that thing with the pack, the children. Yeah. 
the final you have sort of a you've been hallucinating Nicole like the whole time she's kind of haunting you now and there is a final boss battle with the hallucinations and it is a fucking grind oh I this mean, is a ton of like one hit death it's terrible I, I hated it so I much stand this. I, I was so relieved all I remember is just all the babies jumping on you and you die like, yes so, okay yeah, yeah. Like, whatever so I didn't like that at all I didn't either. I think I hope we're in consensus here with the audience. Like I hope so. Um, you know, I apologize if you like this game uh, for for all we've we've said here. Um, so I'm going to ask you uh, an interesting prompt. How would you have handled a sequel instead if you had to make one? To wow, I didn't think you would ask me this. How would I handle a sequel? Um, wow, that's so hard. Because um, I'm trying to think of like what Dead Sp- Dead Space Two was like kind of a retread with increased combat mechanics so let me let me kind of share my yeah, first sure. thought i think maybe isaac shouldn't have been the main character at all oh you think this should have been happening somewhere else to someone to else. someone else because you know he's already lived it and it's kind of you know like all right well this this guy's uh he's kind of proved himself a little bit you know maybe put someone a little more vulnerable let me get in into position your brain here you ready yeah that would have almost set up the co-op in three better Right where you have a two different characters, first game, second oh, game. Oh yeah, see, Good point. No, I'm kind of right. I like that. I, well, you kind of almost have a Master Chief Arbiter thing. Yeah, going on. sort of. Yeah. I mean, well, then again, the same thing with every horror game. It should have just been one game. Of course, uh, it shouldn't have made it at well, all. Well, it's like you look at at horror. I just watched all the Halloween movies for the first time. Sure. You look at any horror franchise the first one maybe two are usually the best yeah like occasionally you get some oh they kind of brought it back a little bit but usually the first one is because you it's the same monster or whatever isn't as scary or i mean do you do the thing where you go the almost the um the ironic angle where the marker is brought back to earth and it's done during the day outside yeah yeah it's something way different yeah anything anything um that wasn't just I'm trapped in space again, yeah, but bigger. Yeah, essentially just do it again. But. So uh, what grade would you give this one? That's hard. Uh, I don't really know. I, I, you know what it is? I'm trying to like separate my personal dislike for their choices, and it is, it's a good production. Yeah. Like, that, that's hard, I think, to maybe sort of maybe separate in, in, in my critique of this game. It's a good production. Mm-hmm. It's a good video game. I think there are just design choices that, to me, make it very inferior to the first one. Mm-hmm. What do you think this is? Like a B minus, like a seven and a half B minus. So I'm I'm going with a uh, th- what I would call a slight pass, which would be a six out of okay. ten, versus okay. the original's nine. Sure. Um, I I I just have no desire to replay this. Um, yeah. I found it frequently frustrating yeah, and unpleasant. So uh, no offense to the people who worked on it, but that was my... Am I higher than you on this? I think so. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, You know, I'm trying to be fair, but that was my personal personal take. Let's move on. Yeah, sure. Into Dead Space 3. So this was released in 2013 by EA and Visceral again. Yep. Set three years after Dead Space 2. Uh, Isaac and Ellie have a brief romantic relationship off camera between games. Okay. So I, I don't know how I feel about that being necessarily kind of shoveled off to the side, but they're like they're already broken up by the time the game starts. Okay. So it's like, eh, yeah. I don't know. Um, the unitologists are, uh, they are now launching terrorist attacks to activate <laughs> dormant uh, or work in progress markers. <laughs> um and the so you have now um, 
the secondary character, as you mentioned, or uh, in, in literary terms, it would be a deuteragonist okay, uh, instead yep. of a protagonist, is uh, John Carver. Uh, uh, sort of, he's a very kind of generic looking uh, marine guy, like space marine <laughs> guy. Um, I didn't find his character like obnoxious, but it was a little, it was a little, uh, you know, kind of. We're gonna get into the the motives behind. Uh, well, this a lot game. of this game is why is this here? Right. Like, why did this game get made? So I would uh, I would call his origin story borderline satirical. Yeah. Um, where his family uh, were killed and turned into necromorphs, and he had to kill them. And I'm like, come on, we've seen this like like in zombie fiction like a thousand times. Like, oh, yeah, my my family, you know, like yeah. that kind of thing. So um, at the beginning of this game, Isaac is living by himself on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> He's in a little uh, colony, um, and we're we're gonna get into it. So the the colony itself, I thought, was kind of fun and different to look at mm-hmm. um, because it's, I think this is daylight where um, yeah. you, that you kind of begin. He's living in this little apartment. Um, and the main setting of this game is called Tau Volantis. It is a ice planet, and I loved the look of this planet. Yeah, because um, it reminded me a lot of the thing mm-hmm. with a you yep. know kind of similar horror. They're in Antarctica in that movie, you know that kind of vibe. Um, <laughs> this was planned as a horror game. Oh, um, but it is uh, at EA's behest. It is uh, even more action oriented than the previous one. Um, introduced a cover system which is not completely unwelcome to me nope um i think it's always if you're gonna have action it may as well play better you know yeah i um the one interjection i would make before you continue yeah um there are no co-op horror games and this i think falls into that or it's yeah. kind of a half joke I make. Yeah, or, yeah, it's a co-op game. It means inherently it's not going to be scary. Like yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you you feel um, I like for instance, I've gone to scary places by myself and with other people. It's obviously way scarier if you're by yourself. Of course, you I know? just think inherently when you have co-op, this is not a horror game anymore. No, not really. No, um, but I, I I do have a caveat that we're going to get to later. Um, about this, the direction for this game. Um, so, but in terms of uh, mechanics additions to this, um, I wanted to bring up something terrible that I forgot about. Okay. So instead of so you have some of your classic Dead Space weapons, but now you can also craft the weapons like from parts. Yeah. Number one, I don't like a, a crafting system unless it's like we mentioned vampire very uh serves a utility with npcs and stuff like that where i so often uh, apologies to anyone who enjoys them but i hate them for the most part yeah it feels very like micromanagey and i hate looking at like oh what can i make with a few rusty springs you know well you know what dude it makes this game too video gamey yes i'm taken out of it pretty quick but it gets worse yep because uh, the parts, so you you would create them at like workbenches. Mm-hmm. The parts can be purchased with real world money. Oh boy! This 20, is an, oh this is an e, in it's an EA game. Twenty thirteen. You're, you're surprised? No, I'm We're not in surprised. A rough era of video games, but I man. forgot that. It well, was... also Dead Space Three, a small tidbit. This I didn't. I did not play this on release. I purposely uh, waited Skipped years. It. Yeah. yeah. Um, Something interesting that I did like, however, was um, that there are alternate modes, which I would be interested in revisiting with uh, lighter resources. And um, there is one that is permadeath. 
Ooh. So I'm like, oh, you don't see that too often. Well, it's not that different from impossible mode in the first one. Right. Yeah. Right. So I guess if you die, you have to start at the very beginning of the campaign. If it was a better game, I'd enjoy it. Right. 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 <laughs> um, and I, yeah, as you mentioned, the, uh, the co-op experience, it's very new for this franchise. I personally found it very perfunctory, like just kind of half-hearted. Yeah. Um, and I just felt that if you are going to have, if you are going to have this story about okay, you're wrapping up Isaac's story, like just just kind of just do it, just do it, you know, preserve the atmosphere. It's just, even if you did a retread, just do it. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna get into uh, the story here, story and characters. Um, you can, I'm not sure uh, how clearly you remember this, but there is a kind of intriguing prologue that is set 200 years in the past with different characters. And um, it is kind of just setting the stage on Tau Volantis about like this early expedition there to um, find, uh, some, you know, the whatever. Uh, the, you know, <laughs> find the resonator. The resonator, et cetera. <laughs> like the, the codex, I believe it's yeah, called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's in your, like, so they, um, and this is kind of an early markerish experience where uh, they all kill themselves yeah. just to preserve the secret. I guess it's it's manipulating them yeah. to preserve. I, the I rolled my eyes, but this is an audio podcast. No, but I mean, yeah. I think that's I think that's an interesting uh, little side story. Sure. Like a marker is affecting like a whole expedition of people in a different way. Um, I, I like the intro a lot with um, the escape from the city where they come after you. It's yep. kind of different for the series. Um, and you are rescued by this guy Carver and Ellie's new boyfriend, which I think is really funny <laughs> because, like I said, their entire romance because they 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 flirt a little in the in the previous one, um, but it's it sort of happens off screen, and um, so her boyfriend saves you, which is very funny, and um, I really enjoyed uh, the first few chapters where you have to float around from one ship to another, yeah. in space. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt to me kind of like what they should have done in two, where you have sort of an expanded twist on the original, but you are going through not just one big thing, but some smaller separated sure. ships. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the planet of ice, as I mentioned, uh, uh, very awesome as a setting. And I liked that when you first crash land there, you have to fight off, um, hypothermia. Yeah. Like you have to find like a, like a burning piece of ship or something to yep. huddle around. I'm like, that's something different where, cause uh, they, they do emphasize a lot in the first one, how, uh, against the elements you are yep. mm -hmm. and in space, like it's, it's crazy that a human being would be in space. Sure. And it's, it's, it's nice to have something else, mm -hmm. you know, where that's, that's, uh, taking precedent there. Um, I did find something really funny when revisiting this was um, you keep hearing instead of make us whole this time there's a new phrase called turn it off <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking really funny like like so I'm I may be more positive on this game than most people but I thought it was I thought it was very funny that you are getting repeated messages to turn it off. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know what? What's so funny that you? I didn't realize how close in alignment you and I were on this whole franchise. Yeah, we, you know, we didn't. Uh, we try to, you know, keep our conversations as natural as possible when yeah. we're on mic here. So, um, if, me as well. Where you know, I do think Dead Space two and three are much lesser than the first one, but yeah. I actually don't think this game is like horrible. I think it's like you know, meh. No, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into uh, I guess my final. Um, thoughts on that later yeah, but of course um 
so turn it off, I guess, is referring to this new uh, markery <laughs> piece of machinery yeah. that is um, is keeping uh, the planet frozen. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, they, they had an outbreak or whatever mm-hmm. of the necromorphs. And I, I like that premise like way more than the previous one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's it's kind of, it's adding to the lore. You find out there's a, there was another um, alien species that dealt with necromorphs. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, oh, so, so this is a little more interesting than I thought it was going to be. I thought yep. it was literally just going to be the same thing over mm-hmm. again. Um, <laughs> a quick uh, interpersonal thing. A series of mishaps leads to Isaac shooting Ellie's boyfriend in the head. <laughs> where he's, <laughs> it's, it's really funny because he saves, Isaac saves the boyfriend's life. I'm not even going to refer to him by name because yeah. he doesn't deserve it. Um, and he gets really mad at you for some reason and tries to shoot you. And Isaac <laughs> shoots him. It's right after he saved his life. It's kind of hilarious. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so this guy's this guy's a joke character. Um, the uh, the final sort of set piece I really liked with the uh, floating alien city, where you're kind of so it's it's taking the zero g to kind of like new heights, I guess. Yep, yep. It reminded me almost a little bit of we talked about Titanfall recently, the end of that, where yeah. things are kind of breaking up. Yep, and you're, you're kind space. of trying to evacuate, and you're jumping through space. Yes, yep. exactly. Um, so I have I have a couple funny notes about the end of this. Sure. Um, the machine keeping the planet frozen is deactivated by the bad guy, who's the head of the unitologists. And uh, it gets reactivated two seconds later by Isaac, which uh, leads the evil moon full of yuckies to crash into this planet. And that's <laughs> that's the uh, how the conflict ends. So the moon is essentially, that's where they're all, all the necromorphs are, are living. Yeah. Um, because... I think this was a good payoff. I didn't play the DLC for this. Me either. Um, it sounds pretty stupid, but it is kind of just a continuation of the story, and it leads to like a big cliffhanger. And so, what I think is great about this series as a whole, and I what I you know is is kind of scary about it coming back to life. That's that that's the real that's the real horror right. is um, this this franchise coming because I so few times like so many franchises we follow go on so fucking long and they yeah. and to their detriment. Mm-hmm. And what I liked about the series for a while is that, you know, for better or worse, it was a trilogy and it like it it kind of uh it ended. It ended. And mm-hmm. it was it never really explained the central mystery of like who made the marker sure. or the backstory. I thought that was a great uh sort of unanswered question there. But what was interesting to me was that the end result of um, the necromorph thing is the make us whole thing is that that moon thing um, uh, all the organisms sort of fused together and the planet itself became an organism uh. so that was like oh that's kind of cool that's a cool idea mm-hmm. and what it, it uh, you you hear some rumors in this DLC called the brotherhood of moons <laughs> and it's like, so like this is happening across the galaxy and yeah. they're all maybe converging further and that's like their purpose kind of interesting thing to mm-hmm. think about if nothing else um so that's Dead Space Three. It's very like Isaac's fate is left very uncertain. Yeah, uh, Carver's fate. El- Ellie uh, survives, I believe. She gets sent off again because that's yeah. all she does. Um, this game, I, I, uh, my big unpopular opinion is that I like it more than two. Um, wow, be- because it does its own thing. It, yeah, it doesn't. Um, 
it doesn't rehash it like you at least you get new stuff to look at i think the ice planet looks very cool like in the um you know when you have a sunset everything has like an orange glow off the ice and stuff um i i love the setting i had a lot of fun playing it um i don't care about the story at all at least it has some thought provoking elements um ultimately for me this one is a seven Mm. where the previous one would be a six Mm mm-hmm I don't know how you feel. Sure. Uh, some quick fire points here. Um, the, this game, I, I mean, it's interesting you say that. I don't hate this game either. Yeah. Like, I think this game actually got dumped on way... It's interesting. I think Dead Space 2 got way too much praise, and yeah. I think Dead Space 3 got way too much hate. That's how I feel. Yeah, where um, Dead Space 3, some quick fire stuff that bothered me. Yeah. You have combat scenarios where you're shooting humans. like It's like a cover shooter. Yeah. Don't yeah. like any of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, you actually, this game becomes a little bit of a checklist because there are side missions and side quests to follow. Yo, yeah. There were a few of them, yes. and I don't like that either. Yeah. Kind of takes And it being a co-op game, there was no such thing as a co-op horror game right like in my opinion don't like that either mm-hmm. but the actual gameplay is like fine yeah like the game itself uh, the reason why i did not play it was it got totally shit on and i yes. waited i didn't want to spend money on it i'm not saying i was pleasantly surprised i was almost relieved that it wasn't that bad yes yeah totally i um i think it's it's so funny because it's like i believe that they i mean the reaction at the time was warranted like you're taking a horror franchise and and turning into an action franchise that's not ideal um but in terms of what the team actually put together yeah under the circumstances i think it came out reasonably well i think it's okay Uh, if i'm gonna like give it a grade Mm -hmm. like if i think the first one's an a minus second for me is like a b minus this Mm -hmm. is like a c c plus yeah eh, c plus it's all right like fine it's okay um, did you have any anything else you want to wrap? Yeah, last couple questions here for you. Um, how do you ultimately feel about the complete story of Dead Space, and where do you think things will go after the remake is released? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't really have any feelings about the culmination of the story, right? Because it kind of is unfinished, right? It's kind of mysterious. They have some silly characters. It, it's for the most part, like, the central conflict, I guess, is resolved air quotes Uh but um for me i think the first dead space really um it does that halo thing where it takes a very small slice of a bigger universe Mm -hmm. and i didn't feel like the other two lived up to my imagination sure of what the universe looked like i thought there would be more going on Mm -hmm. i think the third one added a little bit more than the second one um but uh yeah it's it's a very Sort of like you had this this complete um, ironclad vision for the first chapter, and then it's like, yeah, you're just kind of spinning your wheels, you and know. You, and the Dead Space two and three were also developed very fast, very fast, different people. Um, um, are we talking about future of the franchise? That's yeah. a tough question too. Where, so my question yeah. is basically like, so I'm at, I'm assuming this remake is going to come out and it's going to sell like gangbusters. Yeah, sure. I think they're they're going to really market the shit out of it. Um, there's not like a ton of horror games coming out lately. Yeah, you know, we're going to get our, our yearly Resident Evil, whatever. Ugh. Um, but in terms of uh, what I think is going to happen, I think it's going to be very successful. I think they're going to try to do Dead Space 4 after that happens. I Let me say this. I, I, there's no reason to remake the first one. I'm probably going to play it. 
I have some faith it'll be good because the bones of that game are already pretty perfect. It might be like a sale purchase or a Game Pass yeah, thing sure. for me. I, the, the, the remake. Game, and I just, because it's already so perfect or so close as it is, I actually have a lot of confidence it'll be just fine. Yeah. Um, when it And you know, I can't believe I'm saying this. If it was made... I have some faith that Dead Space 4 will be fine. Like, we haven't seen it in how long? 10 years? I think it will at least be horror-focused. And... I have I don't have my faith in it is lower because of who's making it, but <laughs> yeah, because it's EA. Yeah, but I yeah, mean, yeah. It's all well, here's where I think EA has to be careful. The past couple of years, there's been a lot of we love single player games again. Right. That's coming around again where you need to make a really good single player game and yeah. you cannot, you know, uh, dagger people for microtransactions and, and yeah. multiplayer experiences. We yes. don't like it. I don't know. I I have some. I think I have like. Um, and then again, my biggest flaw is like wishful thinking. Mm. So I, I have like a small hope that I think it'll, it'll be okay. Depending I, on what I, th- it is. I think it, I will inevitably go in with, if they do it, I will inevitably go in with low expectations and be like, oh, that wasn't so bad. It's all right. <laughs> so you heard it here first, like on 4th of July, 2022. Dead we, Space 4? It's all right. It'll be all right. <laughs> is that it? That uh, That's it for me. Yeah, you got anything anyway, else? No, I think that's it. So anyway, Dead Space, Dead Space rocks. Uh, thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you next time on Goddamn GameCube.